Hello and welcome to another episode of A Slice of Health, the Candid Health Chat podcast, where we slice away health truth from health fiction. Join me and my friends as we challenge common health myths via chit chat powered by several cups of coffee. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media and do visit us at a sliceofhealth.club. Let's get to today's episode. Hello champions, welcome back to another episode of A Slice of Health. On today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Zerva. Zerva and I actually trained together in our GP training program, and it was amazing to reconnect with her on social media. Today, we're going to be talking about mental health in the black and ethnic minority ethnic groups, which is going to cover the black ethnic groups and Asian ethnic groups in particular. And we're going to be exploring how mental health difficulties can manifest, but also some of the barriers that people encounter when trying to seek out help. We hope that this episode encourages you to seek out the help that you need and to also offer support to your family and loved ones who are also in need. You can find Zerva on Instagram at Dr. Zerva. Enjoy the episode. So hello champions, welcome to another episode of A Slice of Health. It's me, MDO, and today we are joined by Dr. Zerva. Hi, Zerva. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Welcome to today's episode. Thank you for having me. Really, awesome. really appreciate the opportunity. Oh no, it's great. I mean, we we went, we, we had training together as, um, as GP trainees, didn't we? And we sort of reconnected again on social media, which is absolutely fabulous. Yeah, it's really nice. And um, the stuff you're doing is, is really good. So I think it's a credit to, to, you know, we're really proud of you here. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. And, you know, I, the thing is, I absolutely love your, um, love your Insta page. So you guys really have to go check out her Instagram page. It's doc, at Dr. Zerva on Instagram. And basically, she does really amazing topics on taboo, to- taboo subjects. Um, and it's, it's actually really great just to get understanding and have, you know, there's some really interesting conversations as well that happen in, in the comment section of your posts, isn't it? Yeah, it's, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. Um, and it's nice that it means, you know, you make a post, you have good intentions behind it, but the fact that someone actually talks about it afterwards and it might actually change their perspective slightly. I think that that holds a lot of meaning. So yeah, it's absolutely, it's absolutely great. And I think it's really good that, um, you know, in terms of the line of, of, um, what, what direction you've taken your Instagram page, the subject that we're talking about today, which is, um, the the nature of taboo of mental health in the BAME community um I think that is something that that we we probably need to talk about a bit more um I think something that perhaps in a lot of communities as well we don't talk about there might sort of be a culture of silence around that do you do you feel that there's a culture of silence talking about mental health in BAME communities 100 percent um I don't like it uh I don't like that there is but um unfortunately there is uh, yeah. and i think i think there is more awareness now than there was before there is a bit more insight than there was before but there's still so much work that needs to be done um yeah. and to be honest the, the best work starts from sort of the grassroots up anyway um yeah so yeah yeah definitely and um, just to give our listeners a bit of um, perspective in terms of your where you fall in the in the um, sort of BAME community, how would you describe your ethnicity? 
So I'm um, Pakistani. Mm. Um, my I'm, I'm British national, but I am Pakistani in terms of ethnicity. Yeah. I'm also um, Muslim, so I've got I've got lots of labels, and you know I'm female, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's actually that I think that's really great in terms of the way you've explained that, and also bringing your cult, um, your your religion and faith into it. So let's perhaps we should talk a bit about sort of just how it is in the BIM community, and then maybe we can discuss um, religion, the religion side of things as well in mental health, because often there is also sometimes a taboo with mental health and religion, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. So in terms of sort of mental mental health, if we started with sort of, you know, depression and things, I, I tend to find that, you know, when people are suffering with depression, um, suffering with anxiety, I think maybe sometimes as well, the, the perceptions of that might, um, is also slightly different from the perceptions around sort of psychotic illnesses like schizophrenia. Do you think that that is the case? Yeah, I think um, uh, anxiety and, and depression is a lot more subtle at times. Yeah. So you, you don't always have, um, you know, it could just be someone's a bit more quiet, but mm -hmm. you know, what's going on in their mind, that, that's what's more interesting. But yeah. psychotic, just the impact of psychotic illness can be a lot more pronounced because everybody mm -hmm. can see it. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of anxiety and depression is just much easier to kind of push under the carpet like it's not yeah. happening whereas you can't yeah. really hide the kind of um I'm imagining um you know I can tell someone's talking to me and they're telling me that I'm I'm a bad person I need to kill myself like that's not something you can hide as easily yeah yeah definitely and I think you know the thing with and I think also with, with psychosis as well um when that is when that is very much pronounced there's a lot of there's a lot of shame there's a lot of stigma that goes with that as well mm. um well, in terms of with depression and with anxiety, do you feel that there's a lot of, um, maybe also amongst women or, and also amongst men, there's a lot of, um, oh, well, I should be able to manage my emotions or I should be able to manage how I feel. I shouldn't, I'm a strong person. I shouldn't feel that way. Do you think that that comes into play at all with it? Um, do you mean with sort of cultural backgrounds and stuff? Yeah, with cultural backgrounds, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Um... I think I mean I can I can speak kind of on a on a personal level from my own kind of background I guess. Yeah. Um I think from what when I've spoken to friends there seems to be a, an opinion that is held across the kind of BAME background you can say. Um but but historically it's like the head of the house is is your is is the man and and the wife is kind of uh, the the also sort of the head of the house in terms of she she runs the house and and the, how the house runs is 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 her job um so they you know it's just like if you imagine the kind of king and queen of the country you'd hope yeah. they have a way of just holding it together no matter how bad the situation is below them yeah. you know and, and in the household and whatever's going on like you will never see anything from you know they they have to hold it together because you know the house is their responsibility and as soon yeah. as they show that they're not coping that's them showing that they're weak um, yeah weak i don't know whether it's a survival of of the fittest sort of situation. And I think a lot of our um, um, cultures derive from some kind of a, a, a caste tribe sort of thing, you know, a weak family that's not progressing, um, you know, against other families, um, you will always look inferior. And then, mm. that, that, so I, I understand it from that kind of a, a situation. Obviously nowadays we're, we're very different, you know, 
castes and tribes to some extent are, are still important in terms of your ancestry, your food, what you eat, how you, what clothes you wear, those kind of things, what you identify with. But actually the kind of um, the deeper root level thing where um, how inferior you, you are just because of you not being able to cope with the, the situation around you. I think that that's very different because we're not we're not um, landowners anymore. We're like, <laughs> we're, we're all, you know, most of us um, in the UK, we've got very regular jobs, professional, non-professional. Um, we're part of a system that's very unanimous across here. But those, um, I think those inbuilt beliefs. Yeah. Luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely I definitely agree with that and I think also and, and maybe it's not you know in, in certain in certain BAME communities obviously because and you know the, the, and I think that's sometimes why a lot of people have the issue with the word BAME as well because it lumps everybody collectively and doesn't realize that actually even within you know the um, even within the Asian um, when you say just Asian there's so many other cultures even within that yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's so huge. And, you know, when, even when people say black, well, that is, you know, even in Nigeria, we have over 300 ethnic groups. So yeah. that, that doesn't, that really doesn't represent when you just say black. And I think exactly. that is, I think that is really, really important when talking about mental health, because the context in which someone, someone's struggle with mental health, especially something um, that might not be as organic as schizophrenia, something like depression and anxiety or mixed depression and anxiety disorders, the context in which that affects them in their cultural um, um, relativity is so, so important. And mm. I think sometimes when you understand the context from which someone is coming from with their depression or with their anxiety, then perhaps you might actually be better able to help them and serve them as opposed to dishing out the routine type of, okay, why don't you have this pill? And why don't you have yeah. this SSRI? Or why don't you have this counseling? Because sometimes, you know, certain men from these backgrounds might not actually want to talk, talk about it yeah. with somebody else. Do you find that that is the case, especially with men from being backgrounds? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think women naturally are just better talkers. Yeah. Men aren't as good as, as talking. And especially from, um, kind of minority ethnic backgrounds yeah. uh, again possibly because of this whole I have to be a man you know um, talking about I mean talking about something is just not what they do in the first place never mind talking about how they feel yeah like, uh, talking about how you feel for them is it's like something a woman does it's not something that a man does you know mm. a, man, a man doesn't feel that a man is stronger than that a man doesn't really have feelings mm. so yeah I think it's um and yeah, it's it's scary though. It, it's scary because um, you feel like they're deprived just because that's the way that they have been brought up to believe they should be yeah. behave. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think also they, they, they uh, oftentimes as well, they probably don't have the outlet with yeah. which to actually express what exactly is going on, the anxieties that they have. And I think also because, and as you said, in terms of having to be a man, um, and the cultural context in which that plays itself, there's a lot of pressure yeah. um, on a lot of men in these communities to um, provide financially or to have this um, external facade of having everything under control. Yeah. Um, and then when things might not necessarily be under control, or even when maybe work is fine, but just depression happens or life happens, then sometimes it's, it then becomes a situation of, okay, my worldview is changing a little bit and what do I do? Yeah. Um, 
and, and, and then that also becomes a problem. And I think in terms of women as well, I think something that is, is also probably, we should probably also talk about is sometimes a lot of women in our communities also have anxiety and depression, but then it's not labeled as anxiety and depression. It's just, um, it's just, oh, that's just how your mom is. Or, you know, she, she has all these anxieties and, you know, a, a bit of neurosis in, in, in behavior or, um, or in the household or also presenting with a lot of physical signs and symptoms. Do you find that that is the case where a lot of women sometimes present with a lot of physical signs and symptoms that is actually an underlying sign of depression and anxiety? Yeah, completely. Um, and um, I think through personal experiences, so not necessarily by seeing patients, that's probably when the, that was the first time I really thought, um, because we all know about patients, you know, regardless of, of background and, and what ethnicity they are, there, yeah. there are a handful of patients that will present frequently to, to the GP and they come with so many different symptoms and they have all the investigations under the sun, but there's literally nothing that you can pin pound, put a pin down to, to what's causing it. Yeah. Um, and um, certainly, um, so when I, when I started work as a salary GP, one of the sites that I work on is a um, it's got a big um pakistani sort of population that attend yeah. um, and, and there's a lot of females um that i've seen and it's it's strange because when you look through their notes and you look through their history they just present all the time you know a headache this or that or this or that and then they'll see one person who possibly um and i think I, i'm sure you'll cover it um soon as well but um, perhaps the barrier there was language because they couldn't speak English. They'd been having a consultation through either their daughter came with them, who's like 12, um, or their son, who's, who's you know, a minor. And um, trying to get a history through a child for an adult, you know, you're probably not going to ask them the questions that you really want to ask them purely because you've got someone else there. And the language yeah. barrier is so time consuming. Um, it's it you know it it consumes energy as well and then you think actually let's just try and okay if she's got a headache maybe it's a tension headache prescribe that medication job done you feel like that that's it you, that's, that's your part played with it mm. but until someone actually delves beyond it to say look you come here all the time why is it that you come here all the time why is it you know how are things at home how are you coping those mm. kind of soft questions that don't really get asked that's when you start to find out a bit more information and some of the stuff that I've heard that happens in people's lives honestly you know if that had been apparent from the beginning, you sometimes mm. think their journey as, as a patient would have been completely different. You know, some of these people live in houses where domestic violence is normal, sexual abuse is normal. Yeah. Um, and, and how do you outlet that when your first language is not English and the only language you can speak, you're in a culture that you can't even speak to anyone about it because that's, that's okay to happen in your house and that's nothing you should be complaining about. Yeah. That, yeah. I think that's where I my eyes really started to open. And then, and you know, I've, I've got my Instagram page, which to be honest, I had, I don't even know why I set my Instagram page up. It was just, I like talking about stuff and there's a lot of stuff to talk about. At the moment. And I just wanted to share kind of perspective. And um, But what I've realized on this journey that I've, I've taken up is, you know, when we talk about mental health, okay, so one of the barriers is actually identifying that there is a mental health problem. The second yeah. barrier that you then come across is, okay, if I do refer them to the wellbeing service to get their kind of counseling or psychological therapies, I didn't realize most counselors are not even taught in their curriculum about understanding the, the diversity of our population. 
about really? Yeah, they're not. I didn't, and and it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense why it's so dysfunctional because if counselors and I've I've spoken to quite a lot of psychological and um, psychologists, and it, it's really nice. Like I think there's wide recognition about it, and and psychologists that want to help and feel like they've, you know, from their own personal experiences, kind of developed in a way that they can help ethnic minorities. They have tried to form a bit of a, a coalition, you can say, so that at least between themselves that they can provide that service for patients. But I didn't realise the kind of base curriculum of a psychologist doesn't necessarily um, cover stuff like, you know, diversity and how these ethnic minority groups function and what issues mm -hmm. have at their level and how to address those issues, how to talk about those issues. Um, so this is where the frustration for me lies, really, because I think it's, it's institutional, really. Across all levels, everything is against them to try and get help. You know, that is that is so interesting that you mentioned that, because obviously that that is a huge issue in terms of you. you and I think that is that is where these things come in, because you for you to be able to counsel somebody, for you to then be able to give them the tools and the skills that they need to be able to help with their depression or with their anxieties, you really need to understand how they think. Yeah. And a lot of times how someone thinks is a function of the environment that they've been brought up in, which is their culture. And so if you really don't understand why they're putting so much pressure on themselves for this or why they feel shame or why they feel angst in certain ways, then it becomes a problem. And so you really can't really deliver the um the support that that you really need yeah. and maybe also that is probably also why people don't come out to seek help because they feel they will not be understood do you think that that is part of it as well yeah um and i think um i'm, I'm not sure what your own personal experiences are but then like I, i'll give you an example this is mm. a bit of a tangent but um when i had my son um i think the health visitor came and um saw me was like two weeks postpartum or something mm. has the usual conversation about your mood and how you're getting on and stuff and me being fairly innocent and naive um i asked her do you know anything about um kind of male circumcision services in the area i wasn't asking her for permission about whether i wanted to have you know whether it's okay for my son to to have male circumcision or not because i mean I'm, I'm a doctor like i know what the rules are i know the legalities behind it and then um she completely went off on another tangent and started telling me how FGM is illegal and how male circumcision will become illegal and um, uh, all of that kind of thing. And then, and, then I, and then I thought, it's like, I then thought, why on earth did I even ask her? Like she, for yeah. one reason, doesn't, doesn't understand anything about male circumcision in, in the context of what I'm trying to ask her. She yeah. doesn't understand anything about, you know, religion or culture where, you know, actually male circumcision is really important. And then yeah. to try and stop that conversation where she was heading with it and also trying to be polite, that yeah. was really hard. And then you think, okay, that is just something really obvious. That's like a really obvious issue. That yeah. you most people should have a little bit of education about this, but then go make it a bit deeper and you start talking about feelings and emotions and then then it's just a different ball game and yeah you know oh goodness it's you know and actually i'm really glad that you talk, talked about that because that's not a tangent that really isn't a tangent that is actually a very good example of where the gaps are because if if this is a health visitor coming to visit you she already she has she has basic details about who you are she has basic details about 
you know, your culture, she has basic details about your ethnicity and your religion. And so actually her coming in, she should already have been prepared to have that conversation with you. Or are you going to have a circumcision? It's a, it's a male baby. This is what is culturally done. Is he going to be circumcised? Um, and so the, the fact that she wasn't aware of the importance of that in your cultural context shows how this per pervasive mentality in a lot of other contexts, especially when mm -hmm. it then comes to sensitive issues like mental health, um, then continues. And obviously, it's also thinking about it in terms of, you know, being postpartum. That is such a fragile time as well. Exactly. Exactly. It's such a fragile time for, for a new mom. It's such a fragile time for any mom. Um, and so, you know, you're doing what you, you believe is right for culturally. You, you're doing what is done. It's not illegal to, to, to have your child, um, a male child circumcised in, in the UK or anywhere in the world, actually. So for, for her to go on that kind of tangent obviously shows the disconnect in terms of her understanding yeah. of what the facts are and her understanding of the care that she's supposed to be delivering to this baby and to this particular mom. Yeah. And I think that, and I think that is probably where a lot of these problems then come in because, you know, you might have then had another question to ask innocently, but yeah. then you'd never ask. Exactly. And you'd then, never ask. And then like the, I mean, I, when postpartum, they try and, you know, have the same health visitor visit you because they, develop rapport and things like that but there were further incidents which I'm, I'm not necessarily going to go into but but very mm. much along the same context of you know I'm trying to discuss I literally I'm my question is I'm asking you a question I just want an answer I don't want your opinion on 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 the matter and then just taking it on a completely different tangent so you know I live with in-laws which is again another thing that um a lot of people don't understand I think people from my own from my own culture don't understand it and um, but then to then go off on a tangent like are you being forced to do this because I know you know there's forced marriages in your culture and stuff and it's like well like honestly that wasn't even the conversation here like um yeah. so yeah if if people just don't get it you just don't talk about it why would you talk about it if you're gonna have to deal with crap like that at the other side of it why would you talk about it wow that's the thing isn't it and i think i think that is i think that there's a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of educating service providers about the culture of their service users because if you don't then the service that you're offering is just going to be this and i think we're coming into that time now as well in terms of trying to provide as personalized a care to every single person as we can mm. but you can't then you can't brush everybody with one single brush because we're not we're not one brush and if you just mm. look at all of us we're also different um you know and even each family the way each family you know operates is also different so you really have to take time to understand the cultural context in which someone is coming from yeah. and without judgment it doesn't actually take long as well. I'm sure it you doesn't. have your own experiences. It just takes one person to ask you, tell yeah. me about you, tell me yeah. about the, the kind of environment that you live in, mm -hmm. take a bit of interest in them. And then, you know, the care that is provided after that, you completely take into consideration what their kind of viewpoints are. I suppose yeah. our, our difficulty being um, uh, service providers, you can say, is we always feel like we have to have some kind of a solution at the end of it. Like, you know, we can give them a pill and, and it fixes their problems. Yeah. And, and we've also got our own judgment. So, you know, I don't, I don't smoke and I don't drink alcohol. And it's very easy for people from a very similar background to mine 
who mm-hmm. come across alcoholics and be like, wow, they're just like really bad people. And, you know, just looking at it very much from the surface when actually there's just a lot, a, a lot more deeper behind it. And, you know, asking a few questions about them, how has this happened? How yeah. have they ended up in this kind of a situation? You know, even if you don't actually provide them any, any advice, the fact that you've listened and you've managed to understand that context that person is coming from, hopefully the care that they get tomorrow will be tailored to fixing that. You know, if there's underlying depression and that's caused someone to, to turn to substance misuse, but that depression yeah. stems from like sexual abuse. Until you deal yeah. with that first originating problem, how on earth are they going to let go of this misuse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that, yeah, and I think that that is that is so key. And I think that definitely comes into, um, you know, into and, and it's really great that you t- touched on substance misuse as well, because that really does come into depression and anxiety, because when people are struggling a lot, they tend to and they, they're not getting the right kind of help. They they do have a likelihood of turning to substances mm-hmm. to try to feel a little bit better, to have a bit of alcohol here, some cannabis there, you know, or or, or you know, someone else's tablet here on extra cocodamol at night to go to bed um and then that then and then that then obviously then contributes into the mental health cycle that they, they exactly. were already trying to get out of yeah. and really understanding why they turned to that thing in the first place can also often give 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 um give them a way out and you know a lot of times there might not be so much time in the first consultation to address that mm-hmm. but then it, it bearing that at the back of your mind that this is something that we might need to discuss so maybe next time you come in let's give you extra time or you know for your counselor to be aware of this and try to explore it and just take it out one thread at a time then we can then be able to address the address address the issues that are that are ongoing as well um and in terms of um talking about these things and then seeking help how do we from a grassroots level encourage people because you know you said something which was really important you talked about um you talked about language which um and you know having children interpret for parents when they come through or you know if the the, the um translation services that are available are not necessarily great i think that is something that is really important i think making sure just making sure that you have a professional translator um it really makes things a lot easier a lot of times mm. but then again i've, I've had um, in you know in my recent practice I've had um, someone get upset um, that I wanted I, I wanted to offer her a professional translator when her husband was there um, you know and she was like no but why, why, why do you want to use a professional translator my, my, my husband is here mm-hmm. and it was that kind of thing where I was like oh well I, I thought I was doing oh if I was doing the right, the right thing, thing for yeah. you yeah I thought I was doing the right thing for you in terms of making sure that I can get all the information from you mm. that is as accurate as possible without anybody else putting in, you know, a collateral history is important, mm. but actually hearing things in your words and how it makes you feel is just so, so important to us mm. being able to understand what is going on. Um, so yeah, you're so right about, about the, 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 the barriers that language, that language can um, also add to it. But in terms of on a grassroots level, you know, in homes and in families, what would you say to family members or friends to try to, number one, identify that something's going on, something's wrong, you know, with, with your friend or your family member? And how would we encourage each other to actually go out and seek help? And if we find that we've gone to a place where the help is not tailored to us, 
can we ask for 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 help from somewhere else um yeah the, i think it's really important to discuss these things because you know knowing and having insight in the problem is one thing but actually trying to help people find a solution out of it is is also and really important so grassroots level is actually really difficult i think people think it's a really easy task mm. to suggest people how to kind of deal with this and you know people would have to basically you know in your family if you feel like there's something not right you know and we all know what the, what the law is and most of us have our own kind of religious code of law as well or cultural code of law so um you know generally the the kind of uk law is is fairly um it covers a lot of kind of moral ground and it covers um, ethical ground as well. But most people know when something is bad, it's bad. Um, yeah. The hardest thing is sometimes to speak up about it. So, okay, you know, if, if domestic violence is normal in your house, that's going to be a really hard thing to stick up against. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's normal for you. So I'm not necessarily saying you should have the courage to be able to understand what to do and, and get out of the situation. I think, you know, I think... Um, sometimes just looking at what's on the surface first and kind of then going deeper is a bit easier. So, you know, um, if someone is feeling down, upset, hurt, um, someone is depressed, someone's not engaging in the household as they used to, they're yeah. dissociated, dissociated, you know, the, this, their behavior is changing and it's, it's just not right. There's something, there's something going on, you know, um, provide them a way of, um, uh, expressing themselves so that doesn't necessarily have to be with you because you might yeah. not be the person they're most most comfortable with it might be a friend it might be um a cousin it might be someone someone else connected to the family um and and encourage them just sort of i i always say you know if there's if there's an elephant in the room say there's an elephant in the room so you know if they're not themselves you say to them look i'm worried about you there's something not right about you and you know, I really want you to be, I want you to be right. And I want to help you be right. Um, so, you know, you can always talk to me if you want, you can always talk to a professional, like be that soundboard for them. Mm. And if it's not you that they express it with, maybe they'll express it with somebody, but the fact that you've pointed it out to them, they might not have even realized there was a problem. And obviously the first thing is that they need to have insight that there's a problem, the, the person involved. Yeah. Yeah. Insight, you then provide them um, options of where they get help from, whether it's from a friend whether it's from a trusted um, professional, whether it's their GP, you know, a, a lot of places like in our area, we have self-referral um, uh, areas to psychologists, refer yourselves there. Um, and then hopefully that, that's, that's a good way to start off. Often, especially in a household where, for example, sexual abuse is happening or domestic violence is happening, we, we know this is wrong and but at the same time calling it out ourselves puts a, ourselves at risk so mm. sometimes just knowing the fact that actually if they got help from somebody else or a professional and they disclose these matters to them or you signpost them to charities that are there for these purposes these 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 are professionals they're, they're used to dealing with people in in those situations they're used to helping these people out of those situations as well so rather than feeling like all that responsibility has to be on you, sometimes the biggest job you can do is just signpost people to the right places. Um, yeah. but, but like, like I said, that your next barrier is going to be, will you really see somebody who will actually understand where you're coming from, who actually understands the context that you live in and the situation yeah. and why it's so difficult. Cause it's very easy for a counselor or even a GP to say, well, domestic violence is probably the cause of your problem. And you just need to contact these people and they'll help sort it out for you. You do realize you can call the police, blah, blah, blah. But 
you know, how, how many people who have grown up with domestic violence would, would feel comfortable to be like, yeah, you know, I saw that, I saw that professional, I'm going to do what they said. Like, they're not. They're, and neither should we expect that they should make these drastic changes. Like you say, you know, if it's an onion, you peel it slice by slice. It takes time to get down to that level. Mm. Um, half of our job as, as professionals is just, just to be considerate, listen, empathize, and signpost them to the right places. I would definitely say if people are getting professional help, so you know they've managed to cross all of those hurdles and they're finally getting the kind of psychological support and emotional support that they need, if mm. they feel like that's, that service is understanding them, um, then the only way you can get change is, is you have to report it. So mm. Rather than staying quiet and saying, okay, look, that wasn't for me. You know, don't believe that that wasn't for you. The techniques are for everybody. The techniques are not um, uh, just made for white people. They're, they're made for everybody, every culture. It's mm-hmm. just the, the service provider has to understand you. So, you know, you feeling back doesn't make them look bad. If anything, you're helping them because you're providing them um, evidence that they need to um, develop their service, whether that's from um, developing a training program where they um, look in detail of what we're actually teaching our psychologists. You know, do we cover diversity? Do we cover these issues about um, ethnic minority backgrounds? And, you know, how would we deal with a situation like that? Because I think if there was more training in that area, even for us as GPs, I think our service to this minority population would be so much better. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know what you think. No, I absolutely agree with you. And I really love what you said in terms of um sometimes, you know, getting to somewhere and then just saying, okay, what well, you know, you can leave, you can call the police. But actually that is so difficult, isn't it? Because if you're talking to a 35 year old woman who all her life saw that domestic violence in the home as she grew up and then is in a marriage situation where her husband or whoever, you know, an in-law, any or, you know, a brother, whoever is doing the same to her, it's going to be so difficult for her to actually leave that situation. Yeah. Because that is normal to her. Yeah. And so really trying to explore that and really trying to understand that is so, so, so important. Because, you know, yeah, we, we want to say leave, we want to say be safe. But also we want her to be able to feel comfortable first with the person that is providing the care and safe Mm -hmm. with the person that is providing the care before we jump onto the leave bandwagon. Because once we jump onto that, then she might actually leave us in terms of the people who are providing the care as opposed to leaving the traumatic environment that she's coming from. And so really treading these lines with care and sensitivity um, is really, really crucial. And it's, it's, it's really, really, really important. Um, and what advice would you give to people who, let's say, you know, they've been thinking about, you know, speaking out, maybe they're having a lot of panic attacks at home, they're really struggling, but they're really afraid of, you know, maybe going to the GP or feeling, oh, you know, if people find out, what are they going to say if they hear that I'm on an anti-anxiety tablet or an antidepressant? Are they going to think that I'm less than? What, what would you give them as, sort of a word of encouragement to actually seek the help that they really need um yeah it's a good question um i mean one of the things people um don't always realize is obviously seeing a professional um it's completely confidential you know we don't discuss anything that's discussed in the room with anybody mm. else you know unless it's a risk to somebody else like for example you uh, i don't know um 
I can't really give any examples right now, but you know, majority of the things you talk about with a GP will stay with the GP, especially related to kind of mental health and stuff. Mm. Um, so that's one and you don't have to discuss what medication you're on with your family even though yeah. sometimes it helps if you're in a supportive environment to be able to disclose these things with them um what i tell what i tell my patients especially from sort of minor, minority backgrounds is you know they feel like oh wow i can't i can't um you know this is something that you know i'm, I'm bad for having a mental health problem and it's you know we're very accepting of physical problems and we're very mm. we can see like the rash on my on my skin or the fact that i've got a heart problem but mental health problems are just as important, if not more important than physical problems, because they have such an impact on everything else. So like that lady you'll see with all the different symptoms and she presents every week with a different problem. Uh -huh. you know, if her mental health is addressed, she's not going to have all those problems. So yeah. how, much, how much time and effort and money is she going to save? And how much of that is going to be saved of you as well? So yeah. accepting the fact that actually a mental health problem is just as important if not more more important than than recognizing a physical problem um you know and you know the cultural side of it i think probably even by the end of our generation we might still not see that completely that chapter completely closed yeah you know, the what's already been built in someone's culture and, and and everything and tradition to get out of that is is really difficult but you know to slowly increase awareness in these communities that actually this is okay this happens it's normal yeah. but it's manageable just like all of the physical problems are manageable so are mental health problems as long as you just recognize it and try and get help i love that and i, I think that's an amazing note to end on i really love what you said that it is manageable and the fact that you have a mental health condition just think about it the exact same way you think about a physical health condition so that we can offer you the help that is available thank you so so much Sarah, for coming on today's episode no thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed my conversation Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Do share this podcast with two people who have not heard about us before. Remember that this podcast in no way replaces advice from your own doctor or physician. Do subscribe and follow us on social media. Leave us a review on iTunes so that others can access the amazing content. And do join the club at asliceofhealth.club and drop us some suggestions or questions that you might have. Don't forget to be a health champion wherever you go by separating health fact from health fiction. Thank you.